0: Hello, and welcome to the Alan and Overy podcast. Today, we shall be focusing on mid caps and SMEs in the Middle East and North Africa region, and additional stimulus measures that could be put in place, as well as how greater collaboration amongst key players, including private equity firms, could help ensure that support is adequately targeted to meaner mid caps and SMEs. This podcast will be of interest to public institutions, sovereign wealth funds, banks, private equity, credit, and venture capital funds also to MENA mid-caps and SMEs. My name is Nick Smith, partner in the Allen Overy Middle East funds and asset management team. And I'm joined today virtually as we're in lockdown in the UAE by Tamur Labib, founding partner at Affirma Capital and head of MENA and chairman of Africa PE. I'm also joined by Jody Norman, partner in our Middle East regulatory team, who advises on both the regulatory sell and buy sides, and also by Kamar Jaffa, Council on Middle East Funds and Asset Management Practice, who advises sponsors on fund formation and investments. Timur, if I could turn first to you, please. You recently contributed an article to the UAE newspaper, Gulf News, on roping private equity firms into the C-19 fight back. Could you tell us, Timur, what you're seeing? How are mid-caps and SMEs in the MENA region faring in the current C-19 circumstances?
1: Thank you, Nick. This crisis is truly a broad-based global crisis. When we had the global financial crisis, there was a global credit squeeze and it hit nearly everyone, but it was somewhat limited and, and relatively contained. This is much broader hitting gl- global supply chains, supply and demand. It's going to be ultimately defined by consumers downsizing across products and pulling back on discretionary spending across all sectors. I think in the long run, nearly you know every SME and mid-cap company will be hit. Well, when we look at the impact, we look at this across sort of two broad categories. First one is business impact, and second one is liquidity impact. In terms of business impact, if we take sector that's important in the UAE and, and the GCC and MENA, like the retail space, within the retail and f space, you have restaurants. Restaurants are down about 30 to 80 percent, depending on type of restaurant and, and if they have delivery. And uh, even those that are working, their margins have been hit tremendously. Second bucket would be retailers of discretionary goods, you know, furniture, electronics. Those been very heavily impacted, and let's see how those come back once stores are open. Third bucket would be the grocery stores and chains. Some are positive from a revenue perspective, uh, margins are definitely hit. So I think across the F and and retail space, everyone's going to be hit, and ninety percent will be hit negatively. In terms of the liquidity impact. This is hit the SMEs and mid-caps because they don't have the size and scale of larger companies. Even in the best of times, they have limited cash reserves, limited access to private uh, funding, and their teams are not as transformational and as sophisticated as their larger counterparts. Even companies that were very well run before are going to need help. It's going to be up to all of us to come together and help the good ones get out of this. Thanks, Tamara. Turning to Kumar, Kumar, to put this in context, while we're talking
0: about mid-caps and SMEs in the MENA region today, could tell us more as to what's going on in this space?
2: SMEs are uh, an important pillar in our economy. They represent 98% of companies operating in the UAE, amounting to over 50% of the non-oil GDP. They play a pivotal role in people's lives. They um, employ more than 90% of the private workforce. The SMEs and the mid-caps are a catalyst for economic growth. Uh, They serve as a basis for job creation in a region where we see a young population. They contribute to product innovation and they enhance the competitive landscape. They've been, as Taimur said, disproportionately affected by the supply and demand shock and cash flow constraints in the current crisis. And we're seeing some SMEs in telemedicine and e-commerce that are doing well. But others, as Taimur mentioned, in F&B and hospitality and retail that have been hit quite hard. F&B employs 10 percent of the Dubai population. SMEs are key to the economy and they also affect other sectors indirectly, such as the financial sector, which is already under strain by non-performing loans in their portfolios.
0: Now that we've got that context from the other two, Jodie, could you tell us briefly about some of the stimulus measures that have been put in place already to support these MENA mid-caps and SMEs?
3: So, after COVID-19 considerations, there are already public sector policies in place across the MENA region to support SME financing. Bank lending, whether to the firm itself or to its business owners, remains the prevalent form of external SME financing in the region. Existing policies include co-financing or risk mitigation facilities, direct lending schemes, tax subsidies, and interest rate caps. Over the last 10 years, the focus upon SME support policies has largely shifted from broad-based counter-cyclical support in the aftermath of the 2008 financial crisis to more targeted policies in recent years Particularly aimed at promoting innovation and startups. However, there's been a renewed focus on these initiatives as a result of the COVID 19 pandemic. Governments globally have been quick to respond with a range of policy initiatives. And those responses have typically taken the following sequence of measures. First, health measures and information for SMEs on how to adhere to them. Secondly, measures to address liquidity by deferring payments. Thirdly, measures to supply extra and easily available credit to strengthen SME resilience. Fourthly, measures to avoid or mitigate the consequences of unorganised layoffs by extending possibilities for temporary redundancies and wage subsidies. And lastly, structural policies.
0: And Jodie, could you add to that in terms of how different countries have reacted?
3: If we take each of the different types of measures in turn, the first is the employment-related initiatives. Several countries have introduced measures related to shortening working time, temporary layoffs, and sick leave, and some of these measures are targeted directly at SMEs. Similarly, governments are providing wage and income support to employees who are temporarily laid off in return for companies safeguarding employment. If we look at measures designed to ease liquidity constraints, many countries have introduced measures towards deferral of tax, social security payments, debt payments, and rent and utility payments. In some cases, tax relief or a moratorium on debt repayments have been implemented. If we're looking at measures relating to access to working capital, several countries have introduced, extended or simplified, the provision of loan guarantees to enable commercial banks to expand lending to SMEs. In some cases, countries have stepped up direct lending to SMEs through public institutions. There are also schemes to grant subsidies to SMEs and other companies to bridge the drop in revenues. And increasingly, countries are putting in place structural policies to help SMEs adopt new working methods, including the use of digital technologies enabling them to find new markets and sales channels to continue operations under the prevailing containment measures.
0: That's, that's interesting, Jodie. And on the regional front, what are we seeing?
3: Regionally, we're seeing a number of stimulus packages being rolled out. So in the UAE, for example, the central bank has put in place the targeted economic support scheme, or TESS. The central bank has directed banks and other financial companies to offer payment holidays under existing facilities until the end of the year, and those holidays extend to the principal amount and to interest repayments. The central bank is also recommending that banks and other financial companies provide additional financing, including working capital and new credit lines at reduced rates. In each case, these initiatives are available to the private sector, SMEs, and individuals affected by COVID-19. Similar stimulus, stimulus packages have been rolled out in Saudi Arabia. The Saudi central bank has announced a private sector financing support program with a value of nearly 50 billion Saudi riyals, including 30 billion being deposited with Saudi banks in return for a six-month deferment on payment obligations owed by SMEs to those institutions.
0: Jodie, thank you very much for that. And if I could bring Tamur back in. Tamur, have you got anything
1: further to add? We've seen some fantastic stimulus measures regionally. UAE, Saudi Arabia, Egypt, they've all done a great job of getting these stimulus packages announced and some of them have been faster than some of their global counterparts. And it's been impressive the amount and the quantum as a percent of GDP that has been allocated to these measures. The next question needs to be, which companies are you targeting and how do you provide that support? The question on who you're targeting, we need to ask, was this a well-run business pre-COVID? And how will this business do going forward post-COVID? Another question that Perhaps the governments are going to ask, is this a strategic sector that we want to be in going forward? Many countries are focusing much more on their strategic sectors and no one wants to be at the mercy of another country's supply chain. So I can see some sectors coming now back in country. For example, I can see pharmaceuticals now coming back full circle to many of these regional countries so you can have a better control of supply chains. On the question of how to provide the support, what is the current capital structure of the SME or mid-cap? Can they support more debt or they require equity? And the last question would be, what are the three to five-year plans for this business and how much capital is required? So
0: you've, you've previously worked both international and regional financial institutions. And bank lending is traditionally the most important external financing source for mid and midcaps and SMEs. And again, now, currently, they've been used to provide the stimulus program What do you think are the challenges the banks now face? What can they be focusing further on, do you think?
1: The banks are certainly a critical part of the stimulus solution and a very important part of traditional financing, and they'll continue to play that role. But I also think big commercial banks are accustomed to handle traditional loans with large companies. The typical mid cap business will be a challenge for some of these banks and their credit committees and their ability to. Get quarterly reports to the banks and monitoring and KPIs will be a challenge to some of the banks. The banks will have to be incentivized to give money out to these smaller companies than they would typically allocate capital to. Given the number
0: of mid-caps and SMEs in the region, other market players beyond banks should also likely be enlisted. Here, and and Tamir, your article in the Gulf News did
1: highlight the role of private equity players in this space. What can they bring to the table? Private equity can do a lot to help the the current crisis. Number one, private equity will provide equity in the balance sheet rather than debt, and it will allow companies to grow in the short and medium and long term without the need to pay back interest nor taking on additional debt burden. From a capital balance sheet perspective. Certainly, we think equity is more suited for these companies. I think number two, once a private equity investor joins the board, working closely with the founders and management team, we can help optimize liquidity, introduce KPIs, improve capital structure, attract uh, senior talent, and we can help grow and and strategize. Many of these companies here, even if they do get an equity injection, are going to have to be more creative. This is something that private equity does. And our ability to help attract senior talent will be very critical because these mid-cap companies are going to have to get away from being a one-man or one-woman show and getting a proper C-suite of executives to help him or her run the business. And once someone sees that a third party has invested equity, they get much more comfortable with the business plan and they're perhaps more willing uh, to join. In terms of how private equity can work with governments, what the governments are doing, working with the banks makes a lot of sense, but we can diversify some of that funding away from the banks. We, as in private equity, can help choose well-run companies with good business models uh, that will make a long-term meaningful impact and that are also important for where these governments would like their strategic sectors to go. Effectively, you still, do the majority of your stimulus through the banks, but you can do it through other avenues such as private equity, and the money will get there sooner to the mid-cap and SMEs. And our ability to monitor and make sure that money is going to the right places, I think be very helpful. Lastly, an example, closer to home, we're an investor in Fine Hygienic Tissues, one of the leading regional tissue makers. We developed a mask product very quickly once this crisis happened. And so far, we have donated a significant amount of masks and tissues and other hygienic products to the UAE, to Saudi, to Jordan, all across the region. We've given many of these products away through the Red Crescent and through local governments uh, because it's the right thing to do. If we weren't an investor in this company, this company wouldn't be as big, it wouldn't be as defensible, and it wouldn't be able to continue to operate, given what's happened. Once a private equity group comes in, the defensibility of that company and the stature is really raised.
0: Thanks very much for that, Tomorrow, and also the, the example of uh, the right thing to do, as you, as you absolutely say. So if I could come back to Kumar. Kumar, what have you been seeing on the capital raising side?
2: What we're seeing is that banks will be retrenching from lending uh, to SMEs and mid-caps. And they'll be focusing on their portfolios. So these SMEs and mid-caps are very diverse. They have different business models. They are at different stages of their development, and they have different financial structures. In terms of funding, there'll be no one-size-fits-all, and these SMEs will want to be able to tap into different range of funding options. This gives an opportunity for institutional investors to invest. There are risks. They should think about mitigating those risks by screenings, SMEs and mid-caps asking the right questions during the due diligence process standardizing some of the investment documentation to include the necessary contractual protections they need and customizing a legal tech platform to streamline that investment process and that's the kind of thing we've been working on speed and agility will be the name of the game for those investors And there's a role, as we've been discussing, for experienced private equity, credit and venture capital firms to play, to support those companies through this phase and beyond to continue to grow. And it's through strategic advice, looking at potentially acquisitions, consolidation synergies, looking at governance and talent management. I would like to see a greater collaboration and coordination amongst institutional players, public institutions, banks funds in our community to create dedicated SME funds, co-investment programmes or funding platforms. Now is the time to press on the accelerator and create that ecosystem.
0: Thanks, Kamal, for that. And Jodie, coming back to your world, what could be done, do you think, on the regulatory side of life to assist in the implementation of these funding strategies?
3: That's a really interesting question, Nick. Feedback from stakeholders actually suggests that SME financing trends are largely driven by macroeconomic conditions and factors other than financial regulation. These factors include the public policies in place to address SME financing constraints as well as the prevailing financial conditions, for example, the low interest rate environment we've recently been experiencing. However, as banks are still the primary external source of SME financing, the regulatory reforms that have been most relevant to date have been the Bar 3 Capital and Liquidity requirements. Here. We really need to monitor the data closely to understand the impact on SME lending. It is interesting, though, that the implementation of the remaining bar III standards, which were due to come into force in January 2022, have been deferred for a year. This is one of a number of global measures to provide banks and supervisors additional operational capacity to respond to the global financial and economic impact caused by COVID 19. However, Maybe the more interesting observation is the impact of financial reforms on the provision of SME financing is largely dependent on the degree of substitution between bank and non-bank sources. Here, the role of fintech credit platforms and other innovations in SME financing are relevant. So if we take fintech credit platforms, including peer-to-peer and marketplace lending, these are growing since the financial crisis by catering to pent-up demand for unsecured borrowing from individuals and SMEs, in particular, micro-SMEs, and those without credit history. In order to create market share, these fintech lenders have sought to raise funds from institutional investors, such as pension funds, asset managers, and other financial institutions, including banks. In this space, there's a real opportunity for different market participants to work together. That coordination and collaboration that Kamal was talking to. Other initiatives include access to public capital markets for SMEs. It's not presently common, and that partly reflects the higher cost of tapping those markets for SMEs and the opacity of information relative to large firms. We've seen a number of technical solutions in regulatory sandboxes. For example, seeking to facilitate access of SMEs to the capital markets. And regulation can play a role here. Another area worthy of consideration is with respect to equity crowdfunding. Equity crowdfunding is a recent innovative source of SME finance and allows investors to take an equity stake in small firms. This form of finance has grown in the UK and to a lesser extent in the US and China, but from a very low base. This is obviously an area that can assist in private equity intervention.
0: Thank you for that, Jodie. Turning back to Tamur, probably one of the biggest challenges for mid-caps and SMEs, as I said, it's not only the access to financing, but also how really to employ what financing there is to grow and create value What else can be considered here? do you think
1: if we take a step back every business here is unique every business is different and the nice thing about private equity is we can offer bespoke solutions that work with the investee company to resolve their financing and capital and structural issues and then set them up for a growth path there will be opportunities to grow 2020 will be a difficult year but i do think in 2021 winners will start coming out of this there'll be much less competition And the companies that are well capitalized, they have good vision, good strategy, access to private capital will do well. And historically, many companies have come out of crises even stronger. UAE, Saudi, Egypt, these are underlying good economies and there will be winners that will come out if they get the right partners on board with them.
0: Thanks, And On that positive note, Kumar, do you have a view on this as well?
2: We should continue to focus on the need to accelerate the sustainable structural solutions that the MENA countries have been looking at, as uh, Jody mentioned, continued development of the capital markets for access to SMEs and mid-caps, improving the corporate governance standards, looking at credit registries and bureaus to enable to have further information for investors, banks, the funds to assess the risk profile and to take informed decisions on those entities. I think further improvements in the collateral regime, especially for movable assets, for financing solutions there. Finally, again, insolvency regimes and creditor rights, so continuing to work in that space to have specific measures to enable SMEs to continue to operate.
0: My thanks to everyone. I think this has been an extremely helpful and informative discussion. To end with just a few key Takeaways, if I may. Um, firstly, additional targeted stimulus measures could be considered for meaner mid-caps and SMEs. Then there's the potential for greater coordination and collaboration between public institutions, funds, as well as banks. And finally, the key players should consider taking the opportunity now during this period to connect on this, as we've demonstrated, important topic. Thank you for listening and stay safe.